Well, this is a weekend that I look forward to for year-round, and I know a lot of others, um, at least in my church, do as well. This is a great opportunity for us to get together and, uh, as Andrew likes to say, drink from a fire hose, and uh, I hope you guys are full of everything that you've been served up today, and hopefully... um, You will take the next few months and lean into some of this stuff even more. Allow God to continue to teach you a lot of the things that come from all the hard work that comes into this. As is no surprise, we see this every year. You have six or seven guys, you know, separated by the continental United States, but we come together and our messages constantly overlap each other. the Holy, Se- Holy Spirit's the one who's giving them to us, and He has a plan. He has uh, something that He wants you guys to get, um, and so He teaches it to us first. And He beats us over the head with it, and, and, uh, and then we try to just arrange it and get it into a way that it's easy to understand. And then we get excited. Um, I, I, Dave, uh, I'm sorry, Dan noticed... Um, that I was sitting over there in the corner and my knee's been bouncing all day long. And he came over and he said, this is a guy who's ready to go. I said, Kevin, Kevin gave my introduction. Uh, you know, halfway through his message, I just wanted to stand up and say, all right, I'm ready to start. Can I go now? Uh, so you'll see hopefully some things that you'll recognize from earlier today. And uh, we're going to be in Hebrews 13 uh, a little bit uh, today. Uh, so pastor did a, a great job of looking at a different verse than, than we did, but I'm simply going to allow context to make some connections for us. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture that contain the idea of gratefulness, thanks, giving thanks, thanksgiving, and we're going to see what's connected to that throughout Scripture. And as I did this, uh, I found that there were some side benefits that came along with this. There were some descriptions that New Testament authors made of a believer who was grateful or who was admonished to give thanks or abounding therein in thanksgiving. And there were some descriptive phrases and words, and I said, well, that's kind of cool. So the guy that's grateful is also this. The guy that's grateful is also this. The guy that's grateful is also this. And so it came together, and we're going to start and finish with the idea of the one thing that should be prominent in a believer's mind as he goes through his life is seeking God's desirous will. That should be prominent. You should be trying to find out what the Master wants you to do. Now, there are some passages that are very explicit. We're going to read one of them. We're going to start off with one of them. But there are things that aren't expressly written in Scripture. And you may ask, so how do I find God's desirous will on a job that I should have, my vocation, where I should live, uh, where we should go to church? Should I take this trip that someone invited me on? Should I, if you're a young person, thinking, where should I go to school? Um, So 
There are, there are decisions that we make throughout our life that we should run through this filter of what does the Father want me to do? What is God's desirous will for my life? Because don't be mistaken, God has a desirous will that fits you and your life specifically. He has a set of good works. Ephesians tells us we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There is a very specific set of good works that God is desirous of you to find and to walk in. And He wants the type of relationship, because if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that God doesn't give you these things all at once. He doesn't say, okay, you've been saved. Here's your manual. You can take this. It has very specific instructions of what you should do each day. No, He gives us the Scriptures. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us illuminate so that we can understand it. But then He gives us day by day as we walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, instrumental, as Pastor Dave told us. We receive our marching orders as we are led by the Spirit as we go through our life. So we're going to allow context to make some connections for us. We're not always going to see a phrase that says, this causes this. But again, we're going to allow the context to make some connections for us so that in this first hour, our goal is to connect a grateful heart with the idea of being a spiritual believer. And we're going to look at some idioms, euphemisms, some phrases that New Testament authors use to describe and give us a mental picture of what it's like to be a spiritual believer. We're going to have three different phrases at least, maybe four, that we can say are essentially going to get us to the same place. There are different ways of looking at the same type of mental behavior, the same type of mental action. Because some of you may have been raised in a church where to be a Christian it didn't have a lot to do with this type of action. It had a lot to do with this type of action. Maybe you were raised in a church that was very performance-based. And it wasn't a lot about the way you framed your mind and then allowed God to do the work. It was more about what you did for Christ lately so that you can, number one, avoid His wrath, which I think we heard just a few minutes ago that that was, shouldn't be a problem for us. Um, and then secondly, to try to increase God's favor of you, make Him love you and like you even more. And those are two things that we should never have to worry about. Those are things that never should come to our mind. Is God angry with me or does God love me? And there's been some pounding of the pulpit uh, last night and today with the double negatives. And you can see how these things are already starting to overlap. Where God says those aren't things that we have to worry about. Those are things that uh, we should be certain and have a happy hope. We should have a confident expectation that certain things are true because they are the utterances of God. And in fact, uh, emphatic utterances of God, as we've learned over the last couple of days. Well, let's start with a word of prayer, and we'll jump into today's outline. I know you're already thinking about pulled pork and chicken, so um, you could probably smell it and even taste it. So I 
appreciate your attention. I'm humbled, uh, as I am every year at being invited. Uh, I don't know if it's because Kevin likes what I'm saying or if he's wondering if this is going to be the year I finally get it right. I haven't figured that out yet. So um, we'll just kind of let it be a mystery, and, it, and I'll keep coming as long as I'm invited. But let's look to the Lord for help. Father, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity uh, to come together and a fellowship with one another. Lord, we thank you for the amazing uh, teachers that have gone before us already. Thank you for Kevin and, and uh, Dave and and a Pastor Dennis, and just the hard work that they've put in already to get us to this point. We pray for Courtney and, and Dan and, uh, and uh, Dan as they have work left to do. Lord, and be with us now uh, here right in the middle of the work that we're doing and have us to have a little more focus for a little while longer today before we fellowship and teach us something. Uh, draw us closer uh, to yourself, Lord, um, and mentally. Um, bring us closer so that we can enjoy you even more. We're asking it all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we have this idea of thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanks. And it's a, there are phrases that in the English pop up in the New Testament quite a bit. We have our, our idea of thanksgiving eight times, thanks 36 times, uh, and thank. And this is a topic um, where you might run across uh, giving of thanks, um, showing gratitude, maybe the wisdom of showing gratitude. It might even be an attitude of gratefulness. Uh, these words, we're not going to look at all these mentions. We're just going to look at a few of them. But it's something that is on God's mind and on in God's revelation quite a bit. Now, if we were to look at the Old Testament, it's actually those words uh, in, in the English again, are listed twice as many times. So this is an expectation that God has from His people. In fact, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll look at our first passage of Scripture right here. It's not only an expectation, it's part of this desirous will that we talked about. This is something that God expects, and is something that God wants for every believer. Now, if we were to dig a little bit into the context and lean into the Greek, we would see that I think there's probably a couple of other um, things in this sentence, in this Greek sentence, because of the presence of some possible presence of some commas in the Greek. So you guys probably know the two verses that precede this: "Rejoice evermore" and a "Worship without ceasing, pray without ceasing." But we're going to focus on this idea of giving thanks and everything. Give thanks. For this is the desirous will of God, the thelema of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So this is a divine expectation for his people. This is God's desirous will for every believer in every situation. So when I say every believer, who's missing from, from that? No one, if you're a believer. Unbelievers are missing from that. And which situation for the believer is left out of that? No situation. So those were trick questions, and you did well. Um, you know, it's been a long day, but you're still, you're still sharp, you're still good. You, pat, you still have 100%. So we walk outside, and we're smacked in the face with Central Florida humidity. And everything give thanks. I have to say that that's not 
always my response when those kind of things happen. What I find out, I'm equally excited at being able to stay with, with, with Carl and Lynn, but I'm equally disappointed because I'm not going to be able to stay in the Steve suite at, at, uh, at John and Wendy's. They gave it away to some couple from up north. I don't know. I don't, um, John's parents got the Steve suite. So I found out last night that it's actually not called the Steve suite. It's actually the in-law suite, so it's theirs, not mine. I was scandalized to find out that was the case. So I guess I'm going to have to get used to hanging out with the Varnish now, which is now that your dog likes me, I think we're in good shape. Summer has approved, so we're doing very well. So when you get into a situation where you are disappointed, and that's what the world, that's what ordinary humans do, when we don't get the expected outcome, right? When we walk outside and it's not paradise. The human response is to complain, right? To try to say this is not what I wanted it to be. When we're building something up in our mind, we're looking forward to something, we don't get where we're... The the human response is to be disappointed, is to complain, so a believer who's carnal, who has a mindset of the flesh, he won't show gratitude. That's what we're going to find. That, that is a connection that we're going to see. That it's only the spiritual believer that shows gratitude. The spiritual believer will have a grateful heart. He'll have an attitude of thankfulness, and he will follow that attitude up with an expression, with an action of gratefulness. He will express thanks. He will give thanks. As Pastor Dave said, uh, give thanks to the Father is, is um, I think he mentioned that was the highest form of praise that he could, he could give somebody in their, in their behavior. But when the Apostle Paul describes the spiritual believer in a couple of his letters, gratefulness is found in that immediate context, along with some other characteristics. So we're going to notice those other characteristics, and it's something that we're going to keep in mind as we go through this study on the importance of, of gratefulness. Now, gratefulness is, is not going to be the end all. It's not the destination. It is a characteristic or a harbinger. It's a, it's a, a signpost, a characteristic of the state that we should be in. And again, that state is to be called the spiritual believer as opposed to being carnal um, or our, a couple of other the options that we have there. So, gratefulness, again, is found in this immediate context. Um, let's take a look at what the world system has to say. Um, even the world system recognizes that it's good for you to be grateful. Um, we've seen that we have the highest thing for us to keep focused. It's God's desirous will. That should be enough for us. But if you, if you look at what the world system says... Now, you're going to see five to seven benefits. First of all, uh, gratitude promotes better physical and mental health. People who are healthy, they're usually grateful people. And the opposite is also true. People who complain a lot, people who are sour, they usually have health problems. These things usually go along. Uh, Gratitude supports deep, restful sleep. Not going to have a problem tonight, getting some deep, restful sleep after the work we've done today. Uh, gratitude boosts your job satisfaction. Um, so you're not walking around singing the old country song, take this job and shove it, right? 
uh, you're, you, you are more focused on being productive. Um, you're grateful to have a job. You're satisfied with your job. It reduces materialism. The gimmies, covetousness, idolatry, as we've heard earlier today. It strengthens relationships. Now, this comes from an article uh, that I have listed down there uh, from uh, uh, a lady named Emma uh, Lennon. And um, Bruce Campbell actually was doing a, he's another guru, uh, self-help guru. He has a self-help website. He mentions that gratitude has long been extolled by religion. Now... Religion said we should do that, but now science says it, so it's, it's real now. Thanks to new research, there's scientific evidence, we don't have to rely on religion, that gratitude produces health benefits. The Irish News actually adds relationship building and dealing with trauma um, as two more uh, benefits. You're able to deal with trauma better if you are a grateful person. And you build stronger relationships if you're a grateful person. This is something that the world system recognizes. But what we want to see, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to go to three passages of Scripture, um, Colossians, Ephesians, and Hebrews. And I want us to see a couple of things. I want us to see uh, these three phrases right here. Uh, putting on the new man. Um, we've already seen being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5. And then in Hebrews 13, worshiping at the heavenly altar. I, too, agree with Pastor Dave. I believe that Hebrews was written by the Apostle Paul. And I don't think it's going to be any coincidence that we're going to see three characteristics that exist in all three of these passages in that, in that tight context. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And I want us to see some things here. Uh, let's, uh, let me see where we're going to start. Whew. So later on we're going to come and uh, look at more of the chapter. But let's go ahead and pick it up here in verse 6. Uh, Paul tells the Colossians, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Uh, this word for walk is one that uh, we should be familiar with, and we're actually going to lean into that word a little bit more tomorrow, so I'll leave that work for tomorrow morning. But we've already heard peripateo brought up. It's to deport oneself. It's to arrange your life in such a way. Uh, and it, it is the responsibility that lies with the believer. Um, it's the believer's walk, uh, the way he orders his life, um, you ordered your life in a certain way to be able to attend this conference. You had to make certain sacrifices. You had to make certain choices. If you're going to be here, you're not going to be somewhere else, right? Mary Pat, where could you have been? Where, where were you two or three days ago? So that, that's not here. That's, you had to make some changes, right? You had to make some arrangements. You had to order your life in such a way. I know Dan ordered his life in such a way to be able to make this trip possible. Uh, he's uh, getting ready to go on vacation the t- next Tuesday, and there's a long list of things I'm sure that need to be done. I just wanted to direct your attention back to that, just in case you were at ease and enjoying <laughs> this. I wanted to direct your focus to the list of things that need to be done before you go on vacation. So, so if you see Dan leave in a cold sweat, you'll know why. Um, I'm kidding with him. Um, we've already had that conversation. So um, Colossians 2 here. 
walk ye in him. And so as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Paul's basically saying, you, you were saved, you were placed in Christ. Don't let, the, don't let that be the last time that enters your mind. It should be how you order your life. Not just the introduction of being placed into the body of Christ, but that should be your mindset. So this idea, um, we see some of the benefits we're going to come back here and look at tomorrow. Rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Colossians 2 7 is a verse we're going to deal with tomorrow. And then we have some warnings in verse 8. Uh, we have being complete in Him in verse 9 and 10. We have um, a picture of how the believer can overcome the sins of the flesh in verse 11. Uh, we have a picture of how the believer should identify himself in verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Again, um, a mental picture of who we are in Christ. We're buried with him. We're raised with him. These, these words aren't placed here by accident. These phrases are meaningful. They're not just niceties. They are things that we should take mental action to see ourselves the way the Father sees us. And so uh, we skip down. Um, let's go ahead and pick it up here in verse uh, 14. Uh, it says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Again, this is the action of the Godhead. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumph, triumphing over them in it. We're going to go here all the way down to verse 22. Um, so, let verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day, or the new moon or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered. There's, just, there's too much for us to do here. Um, I really need to move on to the passage here in Colossians that I wanted to. Um, if you look at, and let's skip ahead to Colossians chapter 3, okay? Um, I want us to look at the phrase that brings us here, putting on the new man, which is actually all the way in chapter 3 and verse 10. Um, he begins, he continues to tell the believer to have a certain mindset. In Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2 and 3, he says, Since you're risen with Christ, seek after those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God, Set your affection or frame your mind is a better way to put that. Corral your mind with things above, not on things on the earth. So we've had a few phrases so far that are mental actions which are direct the believer's thought in a particular direction. Okay, So if we skip down, we see the phrase of putting off and putting on showing up. We see putting off in verse 8. And then some behaviors that we should have nothing to do with. And then verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. 
But let's get down to where we're going to see some characteristics of this spiritual man. When a believer does this mental action and puts on the new man. So the old man, we would say, is our position in Adam. The new man is our position in Christ. Um, As Paul noticed earlier in the chapter, where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand in the third heaven. So Pastor Dave likes to say, I'll meet you at the right hand. That is the characteristic of a person who is heavenly minded, who is framing his mind on things above. He considers prayer, uh, worship, and this communication, this connection that we have in the body as not something we do at home in a closet by ourselves, but as something that we do in the third heaven together with all believers. So think of that when you communicate with God, you should be doing it at the right hand. That's how you should relate to God, and that's how you should think of things. So we see this phrase of putting off and putting on. But let's take a look again. Our purpose now is to see this connection between uh, gratefulness and and spirituality. So let's take a look at uh, why we came here. Uh, So let's pick it up here in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, Forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Very similar there to some of the things we see in Galatians chapter 5 with the fruit of the Spirit. And verse 14, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And then let's take a look now at these next few verses, which are going to be very similar to a passage we're going to look at in Ephesians 5. Uh, Let the word of Christ... uh, I'm sorry, pick it up back in uh, in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing another, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, dwell in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Then we go into a passage where he speaks to different groups of people and he's basically telling them to be able to submit to the authority that exists in their lives. So we see three characteristics uh, in each of these three passages that we're going to say are the spiritual thermometer. They are the characteristics of a spiritual man, of the spiritual believer. One of them is a grateful heart. One of them is a melodic heart, or the ability to praise, and the other is the ability to submit. So, let's get practical here. Have you ever asked the question, am I carnal? Well, you usually don't have to ask that question. If you have to ask that question, you probably are. Someone else maybe brought it to your attention, having a rough day, are we? Uh, They've heard some... Um, maybe you have pushed back against the authority that exists in your life, having a little trouble with submission to authority. Uh, maybe um, instead of gratefulness coming from your lips and focusing on God's character and connecting that with God's behavior with a smile on your face, you are telling someone about some bad circumstances that are popping up in your life. Uh, 
falling short of your expectations of that perfect day that you thought you were going to have. So we have drifted out of the spiritual category into the carnal category when that happens. Because the spiritual believer submits. The spiritual believer focuses on God's character. He's praising. The spiritual believer has a grateful heart. We see that here. Let's flip over to Ephesians 5. It'll be easier to see it there. And I'm not going to take you through the entire context the way I did in Colossians. I did want to lay a little bit of groundwork in Colossians because we're going to be back there tomorrow. Let's go to Ephesians 5. It's a lot easier to see it here. Uh, It's pretty quick. So this verse was referred to already with our double negative. Uh, Verse 18, stop being drunk with wine. We're in his unsavedness, English excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's see if we can identify our three spiritual characteristics here in the next few verses. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. There's our melodic heart focusing on the character of God, right? Next, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's our gratefulness. And then what's the next verse? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. These are the characteristics of a believer whose mind is in the right place, whose mind is framed properly, and who is being led by the Spirit. These are things we're going to see popping up. All right, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 13. Again, I believe the Apostle Paul, this is no accident that these characteristics seem to be popping up in the same area. But in Hebrews... um, The author of Hebrews connects gratefulness um, by the translation um, of, we see here the definition, a biblical definition of of praise showing up here. Um, But I want us to see, uh, let's start in verse 9. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We see in chapter 13 a lot of practical things that the believer should be doing. Um, Let brotherly love continue is how the chapter starts. Phileo love. Uh, A lot of nice, good things that a Christian should do. Um, But I think the focus here in verse 10, uh, we have an altar which they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. This is a heavenly altar that, that we have the... The, this should be our mentality. We should, when we worship, we should be worshiping not here in this room or, or up the street at, on Hopkins Street. We should be worshiping. We should be repeating back to God those things that He said about Himself. It should be a mental attitude is, is what that should be. Um, we see it described in this way. Um, verse 13 says, Let us go. Therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. So we're seeing our characteristics pop up in these groupings, right? So if we take a look at uh, verse 15, um, 
the English kind of messes it up here a little bit. Um, but we basically have the idea of um, the Greek is uh, homologonton auto onomate. It's basically the connection of God's character with a thank offering. So you are in a positive way looking at God's character with the works that God has performed. And that's essentially what praise is. Um, it's similar to Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is just showing gratitude for who God is and what He's done, but praise is the connection of those two things. It's the understanding of God's name, God's character, homologeo, homo saying the same thing. Logo, say, homo, same, logo, to say. Say the same thing. I'm agreeing with God about who He said He was, and it brightens my day to see that character in action, performing these works. And I say something about it, and I connect who he is with what he's done. That's praise the Lord. Not shouting in your most guttural voice from the back of the room, praise the Lord. That's not actual praise. And again, you guys have been well taught here. You know that praise is more than that. It comes with an understanding of God's character and connecting it with God's behavior. So we see here in these three passages, we see putting on the new man. Okay, Understanding this position that I have in Christ and revealing it to others. So it's not only here, but now it comes out here. Because if it's really here, I won't be able to keep it from coming out here. And it will show up here. See, that's how the performance-based... Christianity group got it backwards. It was all about what you're against and what you can do for God. Well, the problem is you see service, but you're never sure if that service is spirit-led service or sweaty service. I call it sweaty service. It's, it's religious works of the flesh. It's zeal for self-gain, for self-benefit, because I want because I want people to see me, because I want esteem, because I want to be known as the guy who did this. That's the problem that performance-based Christianity has. You see service and you don't know for sure where it's coming from. And we saw, what does that lead to in Galatians? When you seek to love your neighbor as yourself, when you seek to put yourself under the great commandment, when you seek to put yourself under law, What does that lead to? Christian cannibalism. You begin to bite and devour one another. If if Pastor Dave would have backed up and read the previous verses to the passage he was in when he was looking at that Christian cannibalism, biting and devouring, he would see a listing of the love your neighbor as yourself. When you seek, when that's your law, it's never going to end well. It's never, but... When you go to the upper room and you read what Christ said, love as I have loved you. Love with the eternal life that I placed in you. It makes all the difference in the world. It's something that a carnal believer and an unbeliever can't do because he doesn't possess God's quality of life. He doesn't possess eternal life. But when I'm spiritual, when I put on the new man, when I'm filled with the Spirit... When I am worshiping at the heavenly altar and stable, stabilized by grace, 
what are you going to hear from my mouth? You'll hear gratitude. So these are, so who still has that thermometer somewhere in your house? The mercury thermometer? We got one of those. Okay. And uh, this one is the one you should have been using for the past few years. And then this one we got introduced to last year in COVID, right? Um, which is actually the worst thermometer of all three um, for accuracy. Um, those of you who know, know. Um, it was something that we did at school, um, and we found out how inaccurate it actually was, but it made everybody feel good because we shot them with this radar gun when they walked in, and they had a cloak of protection around them for the rest of the day. So they felt good. Um, again, this is the spiritual thermometer that we've been talking about here. Uh, seeing this connection of submission, gratitude, and then uh, gratefulness, I'm sorry, and praise, this melodic heart, um, it's being connected with uh, phrases of putting on the new man, being filled with the Spirit, or worshiping at the heavenly altar, not at the altar of this world. These are outward characteristics of what's happening with the believer inwardly. So much like uh, a thermometer or a warm brow will notify of a fever, these characteristics, or lack thereof, can notify others of the spiritual condition of the believer at that time. So if I've got that sense of entitlement, have you ever walked around cranky because you feel like the world's, you're driving down the road and there's not a street full of green lights? And you're like, I didn't, I didn't deserve this. I'm getting every red light. What did I do wrong? As if we're entitled to never stop on the road. We have this sense of entitlement. The problem's not the lights, guys. The problem's me. I'm carnal. It's my a dissatisfaction with my situation, with my condition. The problem is mine. Um, so these are relevatory of a carnal attitude. And again, the grateful heart is a characteristic that the spiritual has given control. All right? So we've actually looked at... I'm going to back up here. Um, we've looked at this idea of becoming spiritual. Um, here, let um, me see how I'm doing on time. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we've got really one important concept to deal with that will lead us again into tomorrow. The Colossians passage is set in the context of a believer framing his mind on things above. Let's go to, back to Colossians chapter 3 and look at some work that we already did. We went through it very quickly, um, but I want us to see some things here. So the process, we have the believer understanding from verse 1, that he is risen with Christ. Being placed in the body, uh, I am in a seated position in the heavenlies with the Son. God doesn't see that I've been sitting impatiently and that I ate too many cookies today. Uh, he's decided not to look at my bad choices. He has put my sins behind him. He's, it's not that he's not omniscient. It's just that he has chosen not to look at those bad choices that I've made. When God the Father looks at me, what does He see? He sees His Son. I get credit for every positive thing that the Son ever did. And so when the Father looks at me, He smiles. Because He doesn't see my gluttonous behavior. <laughs> he sees restraint. He sees, I only do the will of my Father. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. And it makes the Father smile. And guess what? 
Same thing is true if you're a believer when He looks at you. You're risen with Christ. That's what He sees. And the Father is well pleased. He sees the Son. And and that exists. Um, So, since I'm risen with Christ, Paul is saying, you need to live in a way that suits what God has already decided is true. That's the way you need to carry out your behavior. So how do you do it? Well, verse 2, it's a mental thing. Framing your mind on things above instead of things on the earth. Verse 5, mortify your members. That's how we deal with the negative part of it. I I reckon them to be dead. Uh, They're as if this is an electrical appliance that's been unplugged. It's got no power. It's got no juice. It can't do the bad thing that it wants to do unless I do what? Unless I energize it. Unless I decide I want to sin. But with the crosswork of Christ, He's given me the ability to mortify the members. He's, he has robbed the sin nature of its power if I choose to live that way. So... Um, Put off, we we mentioned this already, Uh, we introduced this already, verse 8, putting off these things, Um, and then putting on the new man, this position in Christ, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So I do these things, these are all battles of the mind, these are mental actions that result in physical action. The context of the Ephesians passage has the believer being a mimic, of God. If we went back and looked at Ephesians chapter 5, the first few verses of the passage that leads to being filled with the Spirit, Paul says, be a mimic of God as I am of God. Mimic Him and His behavior. Uh, these are things here, I am, I am ordering my life in such a way that love is a priority. Let's go back, I, I do want us to take a look at that Ephesians 5. Let's take a look at that passage again. We're going to see our word for walk be therefore followers of God. That word followers, we get our word for mimic from that word. Uh, mimetes. Be an imitator of God as dear children. And walk in love. Again, this is our responsibility. I'm to order my life in such a way that I'm demonstrating love to the brethren. Now, Once I set my mind that way, once I get in that mindset, the Spirit then does the work. He leads. God then performs the action. He gets credit. But it doesn't happen if I'm carnal. If I break the connection and I go about and set my own agenda, I'm not ordering my life in love. I'm not deporting myself in love unless it's self-love. And I'm like, what do I want to do today? What do I feel like doing today? I got the day off. This is my day. Chances are, you're not going to see characteristics of a spiritual believer coming from me because I haven't mentally put myself in the right place to be a spiritual believer. And then the Hebrews passage, we already looked at this, is set in the context that the believer is worshiping at the heavenly altar and being stabilized by grace. These are all actionable mental steps which will put you in a spiritual state instead of a carnal state. And that's where it all begins, guys. That's your responsibility, is that mental action. 
And then what will come next? Well, I have a picture here, if you can notice, of the, this is the old Roman triumph. Let's go to Corinthians and we'll close here. We'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I think this is a, this is a great picture of what will happen um, if we do the mental action at the start, and we yield to the Spirit. What then happens next? Paul uses a great illustration of the believer being paraded before others when he's living in his position. So we have a picture here of of Romans coming back triumphant in a parade and being celebrated. So the people, you see them throwing the garlands and the flowers in front, and probably a parade of Roman soldiers in and of itself is probably not the best smelling thing, I'm guessing, right? Um, But what would happen when these celebratory awards were strewn in front of the army? What would happen? Well, they trample on those. And what happens when you crush a rose? It releases a fragrance, doesn't it? What happens when you break a camphor leaf? That's when you can smell it. So what was happening is an aroma would mask the nastiness um, is basically. And so we'd have a pleasant aroma with this army being paraded and trampling through. So let's take a look at what Paul says. Second Corinthians chapter 2, let's start in verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel, uh, Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Verse 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, and then that are saved, and in them that perish. So, Let's take a look at the construction of what's going on here. Who's causing us to be paraded triumphantly? Is this something we're doing on our own? No. We, we see here, uh, the thanks goes to God in verse 14. Always causeth us to triumph, where? In Christ. We keep coming back to this position of being in the Son. How often have we tried to have a one-man parade? Because we want to celebrate our own achievements. Who comes to watch a one-man parade? Nobody. But when we are mentally framing our position where we're supposed to be, we are paraded by God and it gives out a sweet-smelling savor. God, again, is pleased. It smells good to the Father. And what we're seeing in our work today is that it also smells good to others because they hear gratefulness instead of complaining. We saw what the world system noticed, that it builds stronger relationships, that it, and we're going to see some better things tomorrow. Tomorrow, morning, we're going to look at 
the actual benefits and present tense salvation of being spiritual. Number one, it's what God wants. That should be enough. But I wanted us to get excited about it. Not only this is God's desire as well, but you're, it's a good place to be. It's the best place to be as a believer. And it comes with current usable benefits that you can experience right now in your Christian life. I also want you to see what you're missing out on when you decide to be carnal. Because a lot of times, and again, I'll just use myself, maybe not you, probably not you, you've been better trained. Uh, Yeah, I was carnal. I've been carnal the last few days. But no urgency to get it taken care of. I need to realize what I'm missing out on and the stink that I'm sending out to others as opposed to this perfume that could be released that's pleasing to others because, again, I'm putting on Christ and because I'm revealing Him in my life. All right, well, let's pray and uh, we'll go have some good barbecue and then we'll come back uh, tomorrow morning, Lord willing. And we'll look at the benefits specifically that are connected. Did you, were you able to see contextually the connection between being grateful and being spiritual? Hopefully you were able to see that in, in today in the passages that we looked at. Uh, tomorrow we're going to kind of take those, that connection of grateful slash spirituality and we're going to trace it through some passages in the New Testament and we're going to look at some other things that pop up in the context of those things. These benefits that show up uh, in that believer's life. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are. We thank you for uh, who we are in Christ. We thank you for the fellowship and the work that was done today. Lord, I pray that this work might benefit believers uh, for months to come. And again, as we learn to think uh, with the mind of God, um, Lord, that we might be able to bring you more glory and experience more of what you have intended for us in this life. We ask it on your son's precious name. Amen.